Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C., a program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to you, people of faith. We try to rely on the wisdom of the Word of God for the sake of the culture and the mission of the church, or as we like to say here at the LCRL, we're trying to put our temporal liberties to work for the sake of the eternal liberties of God for all. Today in our program, we are privileged to have with us Alan Carlson. He's the John Howard Distinguished Fellow for Family and Religious Studies at the International Organization for the Family. Um, but he's been, he's got a long pedigree in dealing with family issues, writing about family, uh, politically, culturally. He was an Reagan appointee back in 1988 to the National Commission on Children. You've probably seen him on virtually any television uh, news program defending a lot of these issues. He's also been an expert witness before Congress, and now he's climbing the ladder because now he has joined the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty Board. Welcome, Alan. Thank you. Yeah, that's the climax of my life here. Okay. <laughs> I had I had to do a little tongue-in-cheek there, but it is great to have you on. When I when we were talking about bringing you on the board, I, I started reading all the things you've done. I said, my gosh, we got to talk to this guy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, well, listen, welcome. Today, the program, I, I really just wanted to start uh, to introduce you to our listeners for sure, but also to start to bring some of your expertise. You've been studying this. You've been writing about these kinds of things for a long time. And one of the things I'm just going to say right off the bat is I think this is true. As the natural family goes, so goes America. And I think you've said it this way, that the natural family is the foundation uh, for liberty. So are, is that right? Are we, is that where we're at? Indeed. Indeed. Hey said, you know, marry, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, that's the natural family. It's in consonance and on harmony with Genesis 1 and 2. Martin Luther, um, who really needs to be much better recognized, is one of the great thinkers about family and family life uh, and marriage. Reemphasize that over and again. His commentaries on Genesis 1 and 2 uh, should be required reading. I would be say in the public schools because it's so true. But at least in the in the Christian schools, we need to spend much more time with him. Natural family, it's the family that's function rich, the family that educates its own children morally and and in other important ways. It's the family that does things. And again, Luther's model family in the 16th century with his wife Catherine von Bora, a model home. So that's what I mean by natural family. And again, I think it's a distinctive Lutheran the thing, a Lutheran Christian thing. Well, before we go any further, can, let's get some definitions. What do you mean by the natural family? What is the natural family? Well, in some ways, it goes back to the very beginning, to Genesis 1 and 2. The natural family is the family in harmony with human nature. Right. Uh, as God created human nature. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them told them to marry and to be fruitful and to multiply. That's the foundation of the natural family. 
he also implied, and I think, again, a, a lesson that remains true to us today, that the natural family is a, a center of human activity, of economic activity, of educational activity. The busy home is a uh, is is very much the center of should be the center of human life, the place where children are reared, protected, uh, educated, uh, primarily. Martin Luther understood this beautifully. Uh, again, I would say Martin Luther was an advocate for the natural family. He didn't quite use that phrase, but he easily could have. Uh, his commentaries in Genesis one and two and the origins of family and marriage right. is. Uh, his, uh, his thoughts on uh, procreation, on the uh, enormous value of children uh, and of the obligation to rear children in, in godly homes, it's all there. You uh, know, can I jump in and just say, you know, you've already explained a couple of things that probably is at odds with our culture today. You just talked about how God created and ordered us, you know, so so in, when it comes to relationships even – uh, but then the marriage goes a, a step further. It's an institution. It's bigger than a relationship. It's ma- I call it the the trinity of civility, first of all. And you just, so father, mother, child. And then the second thing is you said that it's the, you know, basically it's one, it's the main cultural institution. Well, I can tell you there are a lot of people who think, no, the state is more important than the family. And in reality, in the way God ordered things, the family is is preeminent. It's the state that is subservient, or at least is uh, um, it is penultimate uh, to the family as a cultural institution. Would you agree with that? In, in two ways, yes. One way, uh, the state steps in when the family fails. Okay, and we we're talking about why families fail. But when the when the family fails, somebody steps in. Somebody's got to deal with uh, people who can't take care of themselves anymore. Somebody's got to mm-hmm. sort out the problems of who's going to educate the children, who's going to care for the little ones, who's going to take care of the aged and the infirm. Well, if, if families don't do it, uh, generally churches can step in to some degree, but otherwise the government comes in. Right. On the and uh, another way, though, uh, aggressive modern government, particularly government coming out of the socialist tradition, uh, wants to step in, wants to eliminate the family, wants to get rid of everything in between the individual and the state so that the individual only has the state to turn to. Uh, That's and that's the opposite of liberty. Why is the family the beacon of liberty? Because it protects the family and it protects the individuals from the state, from becoming pawns in the in the process uh, that states use to control people. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about all the time. James Madison says that Martin Luther was the forerunner of the Bill of Rights. And he talked about how having a duly constituted public state and a duly constituted public church in tension with each other is the key for individual liberty. And we would add to that church and family uh, are the institutions that say to the state this far and no farther. Well, when people start talking about eliminating the church as a public institution and literally decimating the family as a bulwark institution. And politicians are saying this now. They're saying the family is not that important. They're saying that uh, the, the school system is more important than moms and dads and all these kinds of things. People don't understand this is a threat to your liberty, right? I mean, this is more than just a well, public policy. Entirely. I mean, uh, well, even if one looks up, for example, the history of American public education, going back to the early and mid-19th century, uh, Horace Mann and his crowd. 
Right. They were very clear about it, that the family was, even that, has to be replaced by professionals. Uh, the teacher will replace the parents as the primary educator of children. He, right. he just said it openly and bluntly. And why are we surprised today that that's going on again and again, sort of accelerated, uh, sort of in a hyper phase of it right now. But it's, yeah, the family has to be replaced. And uh, the state will take over. The state will do a better job. And the state will uh, shape the young people to be good little servants of the state. You know, it's funny that you say that, too. Um, yeah, I've read that same history about, you know, folks before. This is why we're parental choice people here at the LCRL. Education was parochial. Uh, for most of the early history of America. And we we don't want to talk about how it got to the point where now public education has been secularized. That's a whole nother discussion. But it does, it, it is amazing. We're paying for it too. We're paying for an educational system that is going to actually tell our children that family is unimportant, that faith is unimportant. We're It's coming out of our pockets, folks. It's time for us to step back and step back into this issue. But you talked about this in one of your writings. You said in the 1960s, when things kind of came full flower, whether it's Horace Mann stuff in education or the sexual permissiveness uh, of culture, that libertinism, as I call it, which is driving this the secular progressive or secular pietistic movement today, it came full flower and, and the family was right in its crosshairs. And you said that a lot of us were asleep at that time. I mean, we didn't see the threat as to what it was going to do to change our society. Do you see that still as it's unfolding now? And and what are some of the public policies now that we do need to be concerned about for the sake of the culture, as well as for the sake of our individual families? We were asleep. It looked, I mean, the, the family crisis uh, of the modern world goes back really into the mid to late 19th century when it emerged through changes in the economy, through changes in education, through the aggressive state. But you're right, in the 1940s, 1950s, early 1960s, this was after the war, baby boom, the marriage boom, everything seemed to be going quite well in America and other parts of the West. And what's to worry? Families are forming again. Most people are getting married. We took things for granted. We became complacent. And with that, I include myself, but also my parents' generation. They thought everything had been sorted out. Uh, then in the 60s, what we call the 60s, just wrecked things. Uh, <laughs> and did it rapidly and astonishingly quickly. And defenders of the natural family were simply not prepared. Had, again, kind of gone off and done their own thing. No longer offering some opposition to the, you're right, the libertine side of, uh, of uh, I guess you could the libertarian movement. Mm-hmm. So what do we do now? Uh, well, something we have to set a lot of things right. One thing I've been advocating, for example, is the family economy needs to be restored and protected. At one level, that simply means I'm highly in favor of making the family functional again. And each family has to find a way to do that. Okay. Homeschooling is one example, a very strong example of how that the families find a way to do that. Home businesses. I'm a great advocate, great believer in uh, having a small uh, Having some land attached to your house, raise your own food and do your own gardening. That's all something families can do. Uh, at another level, uh, the pressure of the government on on the family on family incomes needs to be reduced. Uh, going back to the National Commission on Children, I was an advocate in that commission for the creation of a child tax credit, uh, which didn't exist back then. Mm-hmm. And was pleased to see our nas- our commission recommend, this was back in 1991, uh, a, a, a child tax credit, a generous child tax credit. 
Uh, and I'm still strongly in favor of that. Now, some conservatives don't like the tax credit. I love it right. and, uh, and, and strongly defend it. It's one of the few things governments can do that doesn't damage the family, but actually helps. That is cut a family's taxes while they're raising children. I'm strongly yeah. in well, I'm strongly in favor, again, of educational liberty, but not a, not a fan of, of vouchers. Again, vouchers are a way in which governments, in my view, sneak into to private education and take it over. Uh, I'm strongly in, uh, strongly in favor of all mechanisms that, again, return functions to the home and make it an effective place of life and of worship and of, uh, of economic productivity. Well, you know, you talked a lot about incentivizing, but in, in, in order to incentivize something and de-incent, you know, and 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 actually uh, de-incentivize, is that, did I say that right? Um, you know, when you talk about what you tax, you get less of, what you incentivize, you get more of, and we're incentivizing um, the family structure today that is not natural family structure i mean that's kind of what's going on with the politics of it so i'm i'm in agreement with you we need to start incentivizing fathers and mothers and children staying together as as a rule because it's found no society can survive if the family is obliterated you know i I, i've done enough reading on that too and i guess i go back to my work in the city maybe as a, a an example um, people talk about crime, they talk about illegitimate, or they talk about crime, they talk about poverty, they talk about all these different things. And then you say, well, what are, when did all this explosion happen? Well, it happened when the family was obliterated. And whether you have Daniel Patrick Moynihan's study about what, 25% illegitimacy, well, that's been tripled. And, and since then, and, and crime and all of those kinds of things has come uh, full flower on that. And nobody talks about this today. Nobody. And virtually everybody I read whispers it. Yeah, it's the destruction of the family. But no one talks about incentivizing the family and keeping them together. Do you think some of this is purposeful? I mean, what? why can't we talk about this if this is such a seminal issue? Uh, a large share of it is intentional. Again, anyone seeking to uh, build a powerful central state, uh, be it out of Marxist theories or certain forms of socialist theory, uh, you have to get rid of the family. It's the principal obstacle to the socialist order. Uh, and even, I'll be frank, even uh, even the great corporations in an odd, in somewhat different way, have an incentive to get rid of the family. Right. Uh, I'm not shocked, for example, that places like Google and Amazon are now subsidizing abortions uh, for their female employees. Far cheaper to abort the baby than to have to pay an income that would support the baby. Right. Uh, to some degree, it's, it's that simple. And uh, this, again, is a uh, one of the problems uh, of, a, uh, of, a, of a market economy that doesn't have a moral basis to it. If Christians were running these corporations, well, we'd be okay. Uh, oh, but since they're not, by and large, since these would be highly secular enterprise, children are a problem. Marriage is a problem. Best to get rid of them. It'll make the economy hum along better. So again, these are intentional things. We pretend, oh, that just sort of happened. Uh, no, it just didn't sort of happen. Uh, well, I, you, you know, you said it correctly. These, you know, it, it keeps the economy humming along a little until there's uh, no people left. You know, even China that they're talking about China, the population bomb that's going to go off in the next decade oh. because of their policies, anti-family policies. Well, I think you pointed out, too, even in the West, you said um, 
this is really a Western thing, this, this, uh, you know, anti-family view. Cause you said, I think it was 180 of the 200 UN countries. They don't, they, they're still natural family countries. It's, it's only the West that's actually at war with itself by destroying the family. So I guess my question is, and, and you just pointed it out. I don't think people realize we have to take the narrative back. <clears throat> I think the narrative right now is families is terrible. It's so expensive. Oh my gosh, having one or two children, you're gonna you you're gonna miss out on life. Um, and and so abortion is this great way to to view all of you know to uh, to to meet all of the challenges. You know, to get rid of the family so you can have the job, you can travel, you can do all this. The narrative is this is the way to live. And what you just pointed out is no, it's not. Uh, family's the way to live and, and family's the way for a culture to survive and to thrive. We've got to take that narrative back. And how, how can we teach average people to say, you know, a family's tough. I'm not saying it's always easy, but it's the best thing. It, it's, it's what life's about. Uh, it's foundational to who we are. How do we say that in such a way where they go, it, it, it's the only way to live because a lot of kids coming out of high school and college, the, the last thing on their mind is family. Well, I think Lutherans in particular have a great opportunity here. Uh, just, we don't have enough time right now to go into Luther's theology of sex, marriage, and family. But I'm convinced, and I have been for decades, it's the best stuff around. And I've written about that. It's something we should talk about again sometime. But Luther okay. provides some real answers. He He's grappling with the early modern world. And he soars through it, and he comes up with real solutions. We've also got to re remember... Another thing we could talk about someday, too, in more detail, the early Christians of the first, second, and third centuries after Jesus' death and resurrection, they fought a similar problem. Uh, the Roman Empire, decaying Roman Empire, was uh, infanticide, abortion, uh, homosexuality, uh, easy divorce. You go through the whole list of the things we face today. That's what the Romans were engaged in. Right. That was a pagan culture. Along come the Christians. Uh uh, they're 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 opposed to uh, they're opposed to the Roman practice of infanticide. They're opposed to abortion. They're opposed to birth control. The, the early Christians uh, were in favor of protecting, defending infant life, building families. Uh, they came across <laughs> as exciting because they had answers. People were unhappy, just right. as they are today. Just, despite all the promises of freedom and liberation, you know, suicide rates are at all times highs. Uh, depression is at all times highs. People are unhappy because they're not being told the truth. They're being given various forms of lies. So uh, the answer is the Christian message is exciting on these matters. Find a way to present that to the young. Yeah, I agree. You know, when you say practice what you preach, start there. That's why I think the church and the family are supposed to be the institutions. They're more than relationships. They're the institutions that the public needs to undergird be, just for the sake of freedom. Even, even if you're a person listening today and you're not a Christian, I'm telling you, if you if you support the natural understanding of family and the church as an institution, your freedom depends on it, too. And uh, the Christian West has given the most freedom to the most people because we've held these things in tension. So Christians practice what you preach. And I think one of the ways we get at this, like you just said, is we start to say, wait a minute, this is the this is the best way to live. We don't all live up to it. I get that. We're all sinful and broken, but this is God's way of ordering it. This is what God calls us to do. And I tell people in, in marriage um, 
classes or in marriage counseling before they get married. Um, I tell them, you know, it works this way. You leave and you cleave. You know, it's that you you have a commitment to God, then you have a commitment to each other, and the intimacy comes later. Well, here we've got people practicing sexual intimacy right after coffee on the first date and hoping that that's going to last and that's going to satisfy. It doesn't work that way. You know, the leaving, the cleaving, the commitment, then comes the intimacy. That's the beautiful message, and that's the one everyone is yearning for deep down as human beings. We've got that message. Uh, we get to practice it. We get to speak it. We get to serve it in the lives of others. I agree with you. This is This is going to be, I mean, I think this is the cultural moment. Uh, I think the family uh, reasserting the narrative that the natural family is foundation of the liberty. This is the moment, but I think we've got a lot of headwinds. Is there are there any particular public policies that you see right now that are helpful? Are you? I, I the Respect for Marriage Act is definitely a boulder in the water uh, that we're going to have to deal with. Um, are there any things that you see on the horizon that we've got to be prepared for? politically, policy-wise, and then uh, we'll continue the cultural discussion. Well, certainly defending uh, educational liberty, I think, is going to be key as we go forward. Uh, again, Lutherans have understood this for a long time, back in the days of the 19th century of creating their own schools, mm -hmm. uh, uh, which would pass along a, a, a Christian message. Today, you know, educational liberty, be it homeschools, uh, church schools, uh, private academies of one kind or another, absolutely central because all kinds of damage can be done in a public system that has lost all of its moral uh, moral gravity. Again, I uh, go back to my same drum I beat many times. Uh, I believe in the one thing governments can do, to federal government can do to help families is cut their taxes. Uh, <laughs> the more children you have, the less tax you pay. And I've, I've, I've put it just that simple. There's different ways to get at that. That's one thing that I'm strongly in favor of. And, uh, and well, yeah, you're right, the Defense of Marriage Act. Uh, the marriage system in America is so messed up right now that we're almost starting from scratch. Uh, it's been going deteriorating and going downhill legally and constitutionally for about 70 years. Um, and the, the final indignity was same-sex marriage. Uh, but uh, we have to find a way to build marriage back up again as a, uh, as a viable institution. And uh, some of that's legal, but a lot of it is cultural. And simply finding ways within the church and within the churches to uh, affirm and defend marriage, um, not as some old-fashioned thing, but as, in fact, the foundation of the church's future. I love what you said. And we'll end on that for this time because we've got a lot more to talk about with you. I, I love, I, I can't wait to read even more of your articles, let alone your books on this, because again, I'm, I'm with you on this. This is a moment in history where the family is central, but again, we have a champions for Liberty folks. If you want to, we have a champions for Liberty, a uh, network that we're building. And a lot of what we're going to do is going to have to come from the ground up. It's going to have to come from us re-understanding the beauty that God has given us through uh, his word, through the family, through the church, and then living that way amidst all of this craziness. And again, we'll be fighting for you here in Washington to make sure you have the freedom to do that. Uh, I, right now, I just was in a meeting where 
They are trying to come after the homeschoolers. So we're going to protect that so that you can, uh, you know, raise your children in the virtue, uh, in, in the virtuous education that can deal with the knowledge that's necessary to live boldly in this world. So, Alan, thank you for being such a great resource to us. I look forward to getting to know, know you more in the future. And um, do you mind if we start to call on you when it comes to some of these family issues since you've been at this for quite a while? Oh, that's why I'm here. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And thanks for blessing us uh, with this. Uh, I think this really call to action. And I think our church people are right there with you. And we really appreciate having you on today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Or check out our weekly Word from the Center opinion piece every Friday at facebook.com forward slash LCRL freedom. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Sells. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 